Well, my name's Michael Crutcher, and welcome to this Archdiocese of Brisbane podcast. And it's a special edition because today we get to speak with the Bishop-elect of Brisbane, Father Tim Norton, SVD. Father Tim, welcome to Brisbane. And we're sitting here in the Cathedral of St. Stephen in February, which is normally a place where sometimes it's a bit balmy. But your arrival has uh, coincided with a rather calm February. It's not too hot. What's it been like for you the early days in Brisbane? I've only been here a few days and uh, looking forward now to the Episcopal ordination uh, next week. So just trying to meet people, um, try and get a sense of some of the systems going on here, trying to get a sense of the culture of this place. Culture is very important for me and uh, there seems to be a very strong culture of collaboration and um, just support. So people have been really, really both friendly and helpful so far. We're delighted to have you here. And in this podcast, we're going to talk a bit about your journey to Brisbane, which has spanned numerous continents and different roles. But we might just go back to your early journey and when you were a school student in Sydney and finishing school in Sydney, and then you began studying physiotherapy through a Bachelor of Applied Science. What was life like for you, Father Tim, in those days? Certainly I uh, had wanted to be a physiotherapist for some time, and in fact I didn't get in straight from school. I had to, um, I had to go back and do a couple of subjects again at night, uh, what was called a HSC back then, maths and chemistry, but I then did get enough marks to get into physiotherapy, which I was... It was very cool. I was very happy about that. Um, So studying uh, was fine for me. I enjoyed the studies. I enjoyed the prax more than anything else, and I found these very useful, very useful. My hands, I always enjoyed working with my hands, particularly with people, if I can. Um, Then I worked, subsequent to my studies, I worked in a couple of the larger hospitals in and around Sydney for a few years. Uh, And during that time, like most of my mates, um, had a very strong social life post-school. So boys and girls involved in the mix, um, had a few close friends, girlfriends during that period of time. There was a trip to India around that time that would become decisive for you and in what was to follow. Can you talk a bit about how that trip came about and what happened on that trip? Sure. Indeed, it was a very important part of, uh, of the journey. So in my final year of high school, um, a priest from the Society of the Divine Word returned to Australia after 30 years in India. So he was, he was an Australian, came back to Australia to be the provincial and the central house of the... SVD, the initials of the Society of the Divine Word, was quite close to our school. So he came across to be chaplain at our school. So I met him in my final year of high school. Um, Quite a charismatic guy. His name was Liam Horsfall. Um, He subsequently did a significant amount of work here in this archdiocese in chaplaincy in in two different schools. Um, But he definitely had a real charism to work with young people. So he offered uh, each year to take a group of young men back to various places in India where he lived and worked with the SVD. Uh, And when I was 21, 
uh, I took up that offer and I, I went back to India. I went to India. It was my first journey on an aeroplane. I'd never been on one before. Uh, so that was pretty exciting. And uh, we flew into uh, what was then Calcutta, presently it's called Qatar. Uh, and I met all sorts of really interesting people during that time. It was a very sight, sound, smells that was so different to anything that I had ever come across in Australia. I was uh, just overcome with this whole experience. There was a uh, significant person you met, though, very early into your trip there. Can you describe that meeting? Yeah, I ended up going a little later than the rest of the group because my exams at the end of that year uh, did go a little later than some of the other people. So the night that I flew in, I got into uh, Dum Dum Airport about midnight and by 6am the next morning uh, we were participating in a, a liturgy of the Eucharist for the first vows of about 10 young Indian women and they were taking vows in the Missionaries of Charity which uh, you might know is the order that was founded by who we know as Mother Teresa. Uh, at the end of that Mass, uh, Father Horsfall chose three of us to follow him into the sacristy and he introduced us to this very small woman uh, who was Mother Teresa. And all of us were university students, uh, but we were struck dumb. We had, we had just nothing to say. It was, like, it was like meeting a rock star, really, seeing this woman, this legend, uh, before us, and she said things like, um, "You know, do you love Jesus? Yes, Mother. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, would you do anything for Jesus? Oh, yes, Mother. Yes, 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 yes. So right then, I would have done anything for her, I think, as well as Jesus. But it was a wonderful meeting. Wonderful indeed. Not many people would have come to the role of bishop, having once been a physiotherapist in a prison. Can you go back to those types of memories for you and? I mean, even doing that at the age you were at, how did you find that role? I wanted to do something that was a little more with the poor because that was, since I was a teenager, that's been interesting for me to be with people who are marginalised. So I did approach some people and they managed to get me a role there uh, as a physiotherapist in the prison. So I was on a staff there of people. But what surprised me and probably shocked me uh, was I, I... I'd done a lot of work as a physiotherapist um, with a variety of people, but I had rarely treated so many violence-related injuries. Uh, and, you know, as a therapist, you would always ask, how did you do this? What happened to you? So that gives me a bit more information as to how I might treat you. Uh, and I usually get some fairly closed answers uh, to those questions. I stopped asking that question after a while in the prison because mostly uh, it was because of some level of violence which the guys didn't want to speak about. They just wanted me to fix them. So nevertheless, I did get to, um, as you do when you touch people, um, uh, in a healing way, people do tend to start opening up about their lives. So it was a great privilege for me in the end, even though I was kind of shocked by the levels of violence that I was encountering or the results of the violence that I was encountering definitely changed me yeah you came back from India and you joined the seminary and as part of your time studying you headed to Mexico for the first time years later you would go to Mexico City uh, as a a priest five years there can you talk about those overseas trips what they meant for you and for others but also I guess what life was like particularly in Mexico yeah um, I think, like most people, I struggled 
uh, in a big way to leave my first culture. Um, I didn't join the seminary until I was 25, and then I went to Mexico when I was 28. So, you know, I was a big boy, but to leave everything that I knew uh, here in Australia, to, to go to another country as a seminarian, um, I found the wrench enormously difficult. Uh, but once I got there, it was great. It was just a huge adventure. It was something new. Um, so to spend time then learning Spanish, and I'm eternally grateful that at school my parents were very supportive of me studying French and then German, so at least I had some Latin languages behind me. So studying uh, Spanish, I had a, a companion with me, another seminarian, Paul, who to this day remains one of my best friends, although he left some years later. Um, again, everything was new, and that newness is just so exciting, and everything is so different to what I had known before. And then to become a part of it, to actually be in it. So I wasn't a visitor anymore. This was actually where I was to stay. The first time for two years as a seminarian, and then after my finishing theology and um, taking final vows and being ordained a priest in Australia, I then uh, went back there for another five years and would have stayed longer, but uh, the province here in Australia was very keen for me to return and work in our seminary. How did it change your outlook on things? You, know, you mentioned you came from you know, your culture you knew here. How did it change your outlook and, I guess, shape what you'd become as a priest? Um, it, is, it is true, I think, that the people who have gone away probably have opportunities to look back at their first culture in ways that people who've remained in the first culture may, may not. It's a process. So... I've had quite a lot of conversations with my brother about this and questions that I ask him and things I say. And, and he has been known to say to me, how do you even think about that? Like, why are you asking that? And I said, well, I just find it really interesting looking back. So having had the experience in another place where everything was so different that I had just so many questions about why things are the way they are in Mexico. In this part of Mexico, I was principally in a barrio in Mexico City, uh, and then would compare it to what I'd come from. Um, and, in, you know, there's positives and negatives and all that. Uh, but it changed me in the sense that I, I, I believe that I see things quite differently now. I don't... Uh, it's not better or worse than anyone else, but I just have different views on things. Actually, just at the moment, I'm trying to get used to everybody around me speaking English with an Australian accent. That, 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 that's, a, that's a bit new for me. Everybody, just everybody, but anyway. And interculturality became something very important to you. You've been quite active in that area in recent years. Yeah. Can you describe for us what interculturality is and why it's important? Interculturality, really the way that I've been working um, with particularly with religious orders, sometimes with dioceses, uh, is really trying to raise with people uh, the joys and challenges of living and working together um, for God's mission with people from different spaces and places in the world, and people who are different from one another. That would probably be the, a general way to think about this, uh, and particularly in religious life, and I think in diocesan life in some parts of the world, um, Due to numbers, there are now increasingly um, mixed groups of people undertaking tasks together uh, for mission, whatever mission is. 
uh, and people who are vastly different from one another. So it's kind of important that we start to question how can we do this better for mission. You've spoken before about, as time's gone on, of course, the divine word missionaries being so active across the world, but there was a time when people from European countries went out to other areas, and we're seeing a time now where some people are going back to European countries, for instance. How much has that all changed in, in recent years, and how important is that to the growth of the church and the way that we interact across the world? I think there's truth in what you say, certainly from European bases and then the States, uh, Australia. uh, Missionaries have gone out traditionally uh, and now those countries, at least in church, are receiving people from other places and I think some parts of the world are doing that better than others. But there are parts of the world who've been living interculturality. For example, my brothers in India... There's 600 of them and probably about 300. Half of those are in India. Uh, The rest are in other countries of the world. But they're from so many different cultural groups that they've been doing it since the start. The same with my brothers in Indonesia. From so many different cultural groups. So they've been living around this and trying to manage this, sometimes well, sometimes poorly. Um, But the idea of European church particularly... Uh, and maybe to a degree Australia and the States receiving people from other places... Um, into significant roles in church uh, has, has been and continues to be a very challenging journey. But you know, what I see is just so much richness in this. It's, it's such a wonderful thing, uh, but that's my point. And you don't just come to Brisbane as someone who's travelled extensively. You've also spent some time in administrative roles in particular as the provincial for the Divine Word Missionaries in Australia for some time and beyond. Can you talk about, I guess, the most recent part of your career, which has included that role and also living just outside of Rome, where you oversaw a, uh, a centre where you did renewal, retreats, etc. Yeah. How has that, I guess, shaped you again as you come to this appointment? Uh, Michael, certainly uh, my experience as provincial and even as uh, formation director, I was working in our initial formation house and there at the start I had... Uh, 16 students from 11 different countries. And then when I was the provincial uh, for our guys working in Australia, New Zealand and Thailand, uh, there were 65 guys, more or less, uh, from 21 different countries. Um, So the whole idea of um, working and being with uh, my guys in, in a variety of different pastoral situations and that we would all question together what's culture in this space we come from and what culture do we bring with us when we come from other places? A bit like me on that journey to and from Mexico. Um, so it's a big part of what we talk about amongst each other and we do courses in it to try and uh, improve the ways we might be available for mission more fully. Uh, if we can understand both our first culture and this new culture we're in. Subsequent to that, I was then asked to go to uh, run the courses that we have. There's 6,000 of us in the world. We're in about 75 different countries, I think, at last count. Uh, And uh, everyone gets a chance to come to do the sabbatical course, which is based in Rome. It starts in our mother house in Netherlands and then comes across to Rome. So I was running those courses for seven years. Uh, And again... Big, big questions around culture. It's a, it's a very important 
matter for us all to be trying to attend to with one another. Now, within that, there's a lot of personality as well, uh, and we try not to, to we try to sort of um, uh, identify what's what, which is never really easy. So you don't want just one big mash of culture and personality. You want to try and work out what's what, but it's just constantly a fairly big part of what we do. So subsequently, people have been asking different religious orders and some dioceses asking people like me to come and maybe talk about this matter of interculturality as they're trying to grapple with some of the things that we also try and grapple with, for sure. So uh, even coming to the Archdiocese now, I'm, I'm very interested in culture. I'm interested to give, where it might be helpful, culture a profile. So if there are boards and if there are... Uh, groups of people that are principally from the dominant culture, which is Anglo-Australian here. I know most of the bishops are old, bald, white men like me, and I say, why do they want another one? But they've got one. Uh, but, but we do need to be looking to, to get other views, and when we're trying to actually determine and discern, uh, we do need a variety of views uh, together. So I notice already there's women here on various uh, committees and boards and it's a very fine thing. Um, now, where everybody's from is also important because Australia is such a place where so many people have come from so many parts of the world, including, of course, people like me and you, Michael. Our heritage is of, of people who've come only in the last 200 years. When your appointment to this role in Brisbane was announced, our Archbishop Mark Coleridge said that as, as a divine word, missionaries, priests, the appointment was in some ways surprising, were his words. Was it surprising to you? Um, uh, yes, yes, it, it, was, uh, it was surprising, uh, Michael. I, I had um, more recently finished the role of running those sabbatical courses and uh, the Superior General had asked me to work in the area of interculturality full-time and I'd been... I started that full-time 18 months ago. Um, and the work that I was doing was morphing into all sorts of spaces. I was beginning to facilitate general leadership teams of men and women who inevitably are from different countries um, and also giving particular input and workshops on the area of interculturality. So when this request came that I go down to the Vatican for an interview with a particular cardinal... Uh, I wondered perhaps if they were going to ask me to do some work with the bishops around interculturality. Um, I was wrong. Uh, that's not what they asked me at all. Uh, so, yeah, look, I, I was surprised. But I went a little bit armed because a few of the guys had told me um, that if I was going to have that particular sort of interview, it was possibly around an offer like this. So I went fairly well armed. Um, but the cardinal... Um, was very good at um, just moving aside any protestations that I might have that I was not the right uh, man for this sort of role. And uh, he seemed to have other ideas uh, about uh, my future. So, yes, I was surprised. And Brisbane, a place that you knew from a stint earlier in your life, you lived at Marburg for a little while. Can you recall that experience? recall that very well. I lived at Marburg. Uh, we had um, a big old house there and that was what's called our novitiate. So our students, uh, back when I was a student, would go there for a year uh, and it was a year focused on uh, the interior life, on prayer, on discernment, um, on cleaning out the pig pens, 
uh, so physical work. Uh, so yeah, it was a terrifically beautiful place. I remember that, uh, but I remember that the, the work, the interior work, was challenging. Um, and indeed, the philosophy and theology that I was studying. Michael, it almost killed me because I was coming from a background of science. Like I was dealing with muscles and bones and ligaments and people were talking about, okay, putting a chair in front of the classroom and saying, today we're going to discuss why this is a chair. Uh, and from my background, that, that was particularly challenging, I have to say. But I did, I did uh, got some focus on that. After I went to Mexico as a seminarian and came back, I found that my application then to philosophy and to systematic theology particularly was made much more sense to me, much more sense. And you come to an archdiocese where, of course, the Divine Word missionaries have had quite an impact here currently in two parishes, at Anala and also at Kingston Marsden, and you played a role as well in the setup of some of those parishes. Can you talk about that impact that the Order has had in this archdiocese? I guess the Archbishop would be the one to talk about the impact, but I, um, we were here... We had that house out of Marburg. We then moved some of the older men from that house into Brisbane itself. Um, and so we already had an existing community here of older confreres. Um, a number who had retired back into Australia, they were Europeans who'd worked in New Guinea. And the idea of going home to the cold was just too much to bear, so they retired here with us. Um, but the Archbishop approached us about uh, assisting in the parish Vinala. Uh, which uh, had a fairly high percentage of um, ethnically Vietnamese Catholics there. Um, and so we did move into that area. There were some issues that needed attending to, and uh, I think our guys did a fairly good job of walking in and kind of knowing culturally what might be helpful. Um, subsequent to that, the Archbishop asked if we... The same one, Archbishop Mark, um, asked if we would perhaps take on another uh, parish presence in Logan and... Um, Kingston Marsden was offered. So our guy, I'm the youngest Anglo-Australian SVD by about 10 years. Um, so inevitably our membership is guys significantly younger than me um, who are from all different countries of the world. And so the places where they do their best ministry is with um, a mixed group of people, not necessarily with Anglo-Australians like me, but with a mixed group of people where levels of English um, and understandings of culture are not always perfect. So there's always a growing going on. So they're growing with the parishioners, which is kind of nice. That's, I believe, why it works okay. So I think our guys have made a, a, a solid um, contribution to life in the Archdiocese. So that you're now in Brisbane for this latest step in your journey that's just covered so much ground over the years. You mentioned before that you get excited by new things. You're in a new role coming up with your ordination next week. What do you expect of these first few months in this new role? Um, well, like any change of culture, Michael, um, uh, my expectations are not high apart from learning, like I'm here to learn now. Um, and as I said, I've already met so many good people who are willing to teach, to show. Um, a few times I'm having to say, uh, because there's a lot of assumed knowledge in any culture, and I'm having to say, well, can we take a few steps back? Because I don't actually know what that is, what you're talking about there. So can we just step back? And people are, are very generous and able to respond. So these first few months, I think, will just be about me um, learning what the role may be and what I can add to the role. Uh, there'll be lots of visiting. 
inevitably. I think there's, there's quite a few um, the parishes uh, to which I will be going to assist with confirmations, for example. Um, I don't think I've been to a confirmation service, Michael, since mine. So someone's going to have to show me what to do. And I'm sure there'll be people there who'll show me what to do, what to wear, when to put on that hat, when to take off that hat, uh, stuff like that. Um, So it'll just be a lot of learning these months that are approaching me now. Well, Bishop-elect Tim Norton, we're delighted that you're in Brisbane. Uh, We congratulate you on the appointment and we look forward very much to your contribution and thank you for your time. Michael, this has been a great pleasure. Thank you.